Okay. All right, cool. Uh, welcome to Making the Dough Show. I'm John Cohn. I'm Nate C. Murray. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing good. It's it's raining here in San Diego. It's raining hard. We got, we got rain. We got and I and we can. I know you. If you're not in California, listening, you go. They don't know what rain is. Yeah. I walked to lunch with someone from Philadelphia, and they said, "No, no, this is rain." Oh, so oh. it's real rain. We get so. to actually claim we're almost having a winter. Oh boy, our rain is vindicated for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, because you get guys like Kevin Wilson will check in with me, and it'll be like, "How's it going?" I'm like, "Oh, good." He's like, "Oh, we got 20 inches of snow, so I'm inside." I'm like, "Oh." I'm in a t-shirt. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, today I'm wearing a big old coat. We get a little sweat. Well, well, one of, one of the, the fellows here at IDW, we just they just had packs over uh, last week. Yeah, Spencer. Yeah, and Spencer was yeah. there, and he, he said well, uh, on Facebook, he goes, "So uh, I didn't realize it was going to be quite this cold. I didn't I didn't dress or prepare for any of this at all." Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah, when you're from San Diego, you forget that uh, it actually gets cold in places. Yeah, I uh, famously I showed up to Beijing in December in flip flops. Uh oh. So my buddy luckily knew I was a moron, and he met me at the airport with a uh, big jacket. Oh boy! So that was that was a great that was a great time. They uh, I got in at four thirty a.m. So his only course of action was to stay up with a buddy till four thirty a.m. Oh my gosh! So uh, we uh, and I was drinking on the plane, so we spilled into Beijing in style. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh boy! Previous, well, a previous life, yeah, right. A lifetime ago. Yeah, uh, it's it's been a while since we've recorded it. Has, it has. We had we had Thanksgiving, and yes. then last week I was uh, I was stuck in bed. I had I had strep throat last week, so that was a real blast. Yeah, it's miserable. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that wasn't that wasn't super fun. So we're yeah we're coming back, and we've got uh, a lot of stuff has happened since yes. our last recording. So the right. first thing was that we became teachers. That's right. Yeah, we uh, or did the kids teach us? <laughs> Spoiler: We taught the kids. We taught the kids. It was actually surprising. Um, so we went and we taught two classfuls of uh, senior high school marketing students. Mm-hmm. We went over Kickstarter, which I was shocked. The teacher and the entire class, probably four kids out of the 80-something kids mm-hmm. that we taught that day, had any idea what Kickstarter even was. Correct. And this is a good time to point out that Kickstarter, terms of service, is 18 and up. And unlike certain other types of sites, they actually enforce 18 and up. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so we got to teach the kids about crowdfunding, and that was entertaining. I personally didn't remember or think that we were doing two classes, so I came in pretty hot and gave a hard 90 to the first class, and then the teacher walked up and said, okay, now the next time we do it, you definitely got to tell that story again, and you got to tell that story again, and I looked at you, John, and I was like, there's fear in my eyes of having to redo the whole experience. Uh, but it was a very positive experience. It was it very was. good. It was. It was. It was interesting. So you had uh, a Kickstarter campaign running already mm. at the time. You were doing the Winona Earp. Yes, I was doing that, and you had we had, we showed Grindhouse was up right. at the time. Right. Now finished. So it was nice though that you got to show all of the uh, back end metrics. You got to show how exactly people find it, what, mm-hmm. where, what platforms you need to reach out to. Um, you got to show really the, the nuts and bolts of Kickstarter, which is, is cool. Yeah, it was actionable instruction, which is, uh, so this was a marketing class and I wanted to show them like, and I think, you know, the, 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 I always wished in school people actually gave me actionable stuff that I could use right now. And so that's what I tried to come at with from the angle of when I was talking. And so we showed them all that and some, some were into it. I don't, I don't think that 
you know, they were that excited about that, but they did get excited when we got out board games. Absolutely. So uh, we brought out, you know, Council of Verona and our variant version, Council of Creepies. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was funny because the teacher was a little hesitant because we said, well, you know, it's a game based off of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And she goes, well, I don't know if they're even familiar with it at this point. And they're, they're seniors in high school. And maybe it's more for the literary crowd. But when we asked them, they go, oh, yeah, we all had to read it in ninth yep. grade. We're all aware of the book. We're all aware of the story. Yep. Um, and they found it to be a fun and engaging experience and, and when we asked them after they played you know what would you see or would you enjoy playing this in your class after you had done the module um, they were all really excited and they said this is this is something that kids should be doing after they finish these modules mm -hmm. in school um, and so now we're actually potentially going to be working with their English teacher yes uh, we gave them a copy and she got to play the game oh, that's um, and so yeah. she may start introducing Council of Verona there so that they did teach us a little bit in that uh, it's a oh, yeah. it's a potential marketing area for us that you know this might be something to bring to schools. Definitely, yeah, that was big. And and no, we had I mean the kids were great. They they dove in. They they all you know well didn't didn't all but just like any gang group you know ninety percent of these kids were engaged and played the game. Right. We had some very enthusiastic and very useful feedback come in, mm -hmm. um, and and it went over really well. And we and you, the variant went over well. It seemed like you watched that half of the room I watched the Verona half right and uh, it seemed like everybody was really liking the creepies version yeah you know this was the first time that we got to play uh, a big play test of the creepies variant and you know it's it's I would say 80% the same game as Verona there are a few twists um, that that change a little bit you know there's some text that's different there's a few uh, things that make it a little more take that in the moment Mm -hmm. um, and I, the kids seem to appreciate that, and they, they seem to think that that was a really fun uh, interpretation. I, well, the one thing I wish we could have done was have the groups switch games right. at some point yeah. and kind of get both experiences. But um, we got really good feedback, and I got some really good you know dev notes. You know, yeah. th there's nothing more useful than having 80 people play your game uh, as it's right. in development and go, okay, great. These are the things that need to change. Um, and you know, they had stuff from, from mechanics to design to even a couple of characters. They were, there was one character who's a little, uh, she's a little buxom. She's, uh, she's, she's kitty coroner and she's a sexy, uh, coroner cat. Yeah. And they were like, well, if you want this kid, this game to be accessible to like kids as well, you should probably change this character. And I was nice. like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Right. Right. That's as, good. A, as a 32 year old, I don't really think about those sorts of things often. And, uh, you know, that was a really good note that it, mm -hmm. it, to make it more ac uh, accessible, then it, it should be uh, a little more family friendly. Yeah. So th there were good notes like that as well. Yeah. And we and some gameplay. Even there was one thing on Verona I think we're going to tweak. So our edition mm -hmm. of Verona will likely have a different card than what you're used to. Right. You and had one kid who just got a, a bad draw early in the game. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Verona has a drafting phase. And to get these kids right in the game, we skipped that and did a random shuffle, uh, which worked out really well, except for a perfect case scenario of a kid just getting a hand that really would never be something you drafted. Mm -hmm. It would be impossible for him to end up with that hand and it, it kind of took him out of the round right. but he was a great sport about it and we talked and, and we, you know he still made some moves and was, was into the game but um, it did point out that, that a certain card you and I both agree is just something that could change there, yeah. there's more interesting ways to do it and we got some wording clarification notes that we're going to add so it was it was good we did get a lot of good feedback and it was enjoyable I will, I will be happy to do it again and uh, it made me appreciate the teachers who can teach the same thing five times in a day and after lunch still have any kind of energy because boy running 
running the same spiel twice for me was very difficult. Yeah, and, and just that much talking. I, like my throat was ragged at the end of that. I was like, oh man, I need to go take some like cough drops or something. After, yeah, just after talking for. You know, what was it? Uh, uh, three hours. It was, yeah. three, it was three hours. Each yeah. class was 90 minutes. Yeah. She, you know, and your teacher, uh, she, she was nice. She greeted us with one bottle of water, but I had to go back and, and dig for a second because I, I was done. Yeah. 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 But she came and talked to us. So she, she's a friend of our, of our families and that's how we got, we got into this. And, mm. uh, she has been, she has been singing our praises ever since saying, saying how, how much fun it was. And I guess the kids, some people come in and they're kind of condescending to the kids. They talk to them, talk down. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah. that's not what you do. That's not how it goes. And, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, they, they had a good time and we had a good time and, and it was, uh, it was educational for all. So yeah. that's really the best thing that you could, you could ask for. Yeah, that's good. And we did not get bullied. We did not get bullied. I, uh, I had a joke bomb that was pretty good. Uh, I, that, that was fun uh, to crickets, but uh, other than that, but I, I bomb a lot of jokes, so that's okay. But um, no, we did not get bullied. We got good feedback. So it was, yeah. it was fun. I'm happy to repeat it. Now that I know we have to do something twice, maybe we'll put some, uh, some, some, some singers, plans, some, yeah, <laughs> well, not some singers, but, but more uh, structure to it. Uh, yeah. Cause I, the second time we, we finished, I think a little earlier. And so yeah. the teacher prodded us with some of the stories that she said, I'd like you to share this. Right, and, and so she was throwing us softballs to help us hit a few homers late, which yeah. was nice. Yeah, yeah, no, she she was uh, she, she was a big help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so that's where we're at with Verona. We've got all of our art in, mm-hmm. um, so we're ready to to move forward with that. Except that we've made one big scheduling change. Right. So we saw, and, and we've seen pretty significant. Uh, softening in Kickstarter as we head in the holiday season mm-hmm. and to a degree that I haven't seen before. And I, I study this all day long and it's just, it's something in the air and it was just, I don't know if it's uncertainty on different levels and all that, but really a December launch no longer made sense. And because we're not in that much of a rush, uh, we chose to go ahead and take a quarter and, and move the game to February. Yeah. So you'll now be, uh, which is good because it allows us to make those changes on creepies, get them out to play testers. Right. Do more work, do more more copying than going up live with um, with something right now into a market that maybe just isn't thinking about buying a game they're going to get seven months from now. Right, right. It is. It's tough in November, uh, December because you've got everybody's uh, concentrating on Christmas shopping, and that's you know people want to buy something that they can give now, right? Not something they can give like you said nine months from now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it should be. Uh, and also, we have more time now to work on the design. Correct, uh, we, can, yes. we can bring in a designer who can yep. really spend some time and, and create some innovative and cool versions of, mm-hmm. uh, of the, both games. And right. then as well as designing our actual Kickstarter. Because there's, there's a hefty amount yeah, of graphic is, design yeah, work that is. goes into a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's one way to do it is to, to kind of rush it on the fly. And if you've got somebody on hand or if mm-hmm. you're you know, made of time and, and skill, then, then you can do that. But... Uh, we're, we're not really made of either of those things, so nope. we can, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, we are not. So we can really hire somebody and, and bring in. We've got a couple of people that we've been talking to um, to move forward on that. Yeah, so it'll be nice to let that breathe, uh, and we'll figure out what we do, what that means to the rest of our lineup. But it, it's just the right decision at the time, yeah. As, as opposed to rushing things. Which, speaking of rush things, pun pong. <laughs> Okay, we bought a sell sheet. We're a little behind on that. Yeah, we are. But, uh, you know, one of our things that we kind of said when we were starting this podcast and starting this company is we wanted to be very upfront and forward with the whole process. And so this could kind of give a a peek behind the veil as to why sometimes fulfillment takes a little longer than you would hope or you would expect. 
Right. Um, this is more your your bag. You've been talking with. Yeah. Supposed to be. Yeah, I was talking. We were, we were, you know, we talked about partnering with Odd Hackwalder, and we're still still going to do that down the road. But um, part of that was doing this was doing a run of pun pong with one of his games and figuring that out, and the logistics on all this. It just turns out it's going to take too much time. And I don't want to be so late on our first game. I, mm. I want it in people's hands. And we've actually gotten some messages for people who want to buy copies of the game. We, we missed did. the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing this partnership with Odd, which will still happen, and we'll likely see Pung Pong ride along on a printing with one of his games and a similar footprint, we're going to go ahead and uh, get to a printer faster. So we're, we're making our closing notes on you know, just the text for the game, which is everything, you know, rule book text, uh, back of box, uh, card text. We're going to make our closing pass. And we're going to go ahead and upload that and get it, uh, you know, get it, get it to a printer, uh, right. and just and just go ahead and, and push the button and get it out there so that we don't have people dangling because we're trying to make an extra buck. If we take a little hit here, it's better to go ahead and have something exist than it is to you know launch Kickstarter after Kickstarter and not ship games, which it is the business model of some imprints right now, which is scary. And, and we don't, luckily, we don't we don't need that. In no. our lives. No. And, you know, this is any anytime a company is starting, anytime you're doing your first pass at something, um, you're going to have some growing pains. You're going to have some lessons learned. Uh, that's that's totally normal. And so, you know, this was really a learning experience for us. And that's why, you know, Pun Pong has been a uh, relatively low cost game to produce. It's right. been a game that, um, you know, does not need months and months of playtesting, of design work, of art requirements. No. Uh, it's kind of the perfect first testing game for us to figure out how we're going to run ourselves as a company. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these are, these are lessons learned, but it's, you know, it's not like we're doing this with Verona where you've got a built in fan base who's already hungry and ready for this. To and come seen out an and... excellent product in what Patrick did. Exactly. That's scary to follow that up because of his production quality. That's true. That's very true. So, yeah. you know, right with this, we're, we're kind of setting expectations, not building off of preconceived expectations. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it done and we'll keep moving along with that and keep updating you as we go. But uh, that's that's why that we've been sort of silent for a little bit as we were trying to work out a deal and uh, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen with with odd. So we go and we find somebody else and that's that's just where we're where we're at right now. Yeah, and that that doesn't mean we won't work with odd. It's just that we don't want people waiting. It's it's really just to solve this. You know exactly exactly. Um, but then speaking of, of Kickstarters, uh, uh, Grindhouse has just finished off yes. its Kickstarter. It did, it did end up doing pretty well. Um, we managed the original goal was $30,000. Mm-hmm. We hit $40,890 something dollars. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it, it did pretty well. Um, we unlocked, I believe three or four of our, uh, stretch goals as well as a special Christmas Krampus expansion that nice. comes free to everybody who backed the game. So Very I've been fun. working on that this week, uh, trying to build out. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun making the Krampus game. Nice. Was, uh, you get to play as like Santa and uh, and Mrs. Claus. I made Mrs. Claus bitter and angry. Nice. Everybody else is so happy, and it's like Mrs. Claus is like you know, they never told you there's no such thing as divorce in the North Pole. <laughs> She's been on this gig for 700 years, and nice. she just wants out, and this is her opportunity. <laughs> oh, that's great! That's fun. I can't wait. It, it, it's got some sillier rooms. Uh, we've got a room that's straight up Home Alone, uh, and then it's got a room that's maybe the scariest room I've done in any of Grindhouse or the expansions to this Ooh. point, uh, which is that you're trying to climb down a chimney and you get stuck and have a panic attack. 
And while you're panicking, you start inhaling soot and dust and start oh. choking on it. And I was like, oh, man, I'm starting to get claustrophobic nice. just right yeah. in there. <laughs> nice. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's going to come with anybody who kickstarted uh, back to the game. That's going to come out. I don't think that's going to be a fully released expansion. I think that's just an exclusive. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, so that's where we are with Grindhouse. That game is hopefully going to ship sometime in June. But uh, as we've been talking about, sometimes there are delays, so you never know. Yeah. Uh, and then another fun news, uh, I've got another game that I made for IDW uh, called Dragon Ball Z Over 9000. Uh, it's kind of a bluffing game, uh, and that one is a GameStop exclusive that's coming out, it says on December 7th, uh, probably around there, but probably a little later. Uh, I just got all of my copies in nice. yesterday, so it's at least shipping. I know there that it's go. shipping because it's shipped to me. Nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got my 12 copies to give to my family and friends. But it should be in, in stores sometime next week, I would imagine, uh, in time for the holiday season. So if you like Dragon Ball Z, if you like uh, bluffing games, this one's super simple to pick up and play. It's, uh, it's all of the main Dragon Ball Z characters, both heroes and villains, and you're kind of in a big all-out brawl against each other. Uh, so it's a, it's a fun one. It's one that I, I had a lot of fun making and in my game group. Um, they, they still ask to play it. Anything that they continue to ask me to play on our game nights, nice. yeah. I feel like is, is a definitely a win. Yep. Uh, there's some of them that, that I have tapped too much and exhausted them, but uh, as much as I exhausted them for Dragon Ball, they still ask for it nice. every now and then. So, so yeah, I think it's a fun game and it's a quick one. Perfect. So yeah, if, if, right. if you're into that. Yeah, that's great. And that's, that's really fun. And, uh, you know, hopefully GameStop does well with these exclusives and can, continues to... Uh, bring in merch like this to prop up the fact that the phys physical video game sales are down. Yeah. So it's, you know, just like comics, it's, it's just like what I do all day is figure out new ways and new avenues to, to make money and, and do things. So, um, I, I'm, I'm excited for you. So that's a good one. And I've, I've seen and played that game. It's a very fun little game. So I, I don't have a copy yet, but I'll, I'll find one. I'll get you. I'll get you one. Okay. Uh, or, or you know a guy, you, I, I know, you know, I know some guys, you know, a guy as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I know a guy I got, I have their invader Zim game. That's also a GameStop exclusive sitting on my desk. Oh yeah, there is the same kind of tin, same, uh, same size. It's the metal yeah. tin. So it's, uh, it, it stands out a little bit. Yeah, that's fun. It's a, it's a great little footprint. So we're doing... I uh, can't talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> different company, different yeah, company. Yeah, different company. Um, so yeah, so that's about it. Other other things, I mean, not not a huge movement on Picture It or uh, uh, We Blew Our Art Budget or Betty Payne or Gunkata. All that's kind of in flux as we figure everything out. Yeah. I think... Uh, uh, creature feature will will start getting an art budget soon. I I did I know Eric went out to PAX. So I want to check in with him and and see if um, he did uh, any play testing with our point scoring. I know we're that's where we're at right now. Is you know do we where how is the point scoring going to work? Is it our simplified version, his advanced version? I lean toward both in the rule book and then yeah. just call it a day. Yeah, that's, absolutely. I'm a fan. Well, and Eric sent us also a really great uh, game that had some art that I think is very close to what we were looking for. So there's oh, that's some, right. Yeah. So yeah. now we have some direction. So we have some some art direction. We mm -hmm. have some ideas. Maybe we can try and reach out to that artist. Um, I, yeah. I keep thinking that this is a game that probably does best with multiple artists if we can find it. Definitely. Just because there's so many different weird creatures and different minds, different approaches. You know, everybody's kind of building to create something weird and cool. Yeah, and I, I think if you get too used to someone's art style, you'll be too good at describing how they're painting, how they draw. Right. And so instead, you want the the player thrown off their heels more. Again, because again, the game, 
it, the experience for the person drawing the card is really important and fun. And that's what sets us apart from so many things is that that experience of describing the creature that is so bizarre to you that you've had a, such a tight constriction on. Um, we want to use multiple artists for sure there. Absolutely. And also just so that we can get out in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, if we can tap yeah. multiple artists to be working at the same time, then the game doesn't take forever uh, to make. Indeed. So we're not just stuck waiting on one yep. guy to come up with a hundred different monsters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah. So once we once we probably finish up with our Verona Kickstarter, I think that that's when we'll probably start soliciting artists and moving forward on that, since that's going to take a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and then while we're doing that, we can start working on the design and, and putting out Picture It as our next game. I think that's how the lineup's going to fall. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Subject to change. Who knows? Yes. It's true. It's true. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we are right now. Okay. Yeah. Feels good. All right. We're all caught up. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. We, we taught. <laughs> Things are happening. We have. We've updated. Uh, uh, I, I want to do, do an update on a previous conversation okay. that we've had. So one thing, I, so I was super sick last week. I was at home. And what I decided that I was going to spend my week doing mm -hmm. was rewatching Breaking Bad. Now, we've had a conversation before. We've had several on yes. the show. Uh, about which we feel is the superior show and and why and all the the in between of that and rewatching Breaking Bad, it really solidified for me that I think Better Call Saul is a better show. And it did, and I'll, I will tell you why. Begin your argument, counselor. Okay, it it may this might be somewhat of a retrospect, but I think that shows should stand up to repeat viewings. Mm -hmm. um, Walter is such a a character that is unsympathetic and, and on a repeat viewing, even more so. Sure. He is such a horrible and dependably horrible character. Mm -hmm. He doesn't go in new directions. He doesn't go in places that you don't expect. He is a terrible liar. He is a selfish asshole. Mm -hmm. uh, and he just continues to, to kind of weeds himself or oranges the new black himself mm -hmm. um, deeper and deeper into this hole. It's, it's wild swings of, of melodrama. And I, I will say, I think that better call that, that Saul Goodman is the, the most interesting character on the show. Him and Jesse Pinkman are the two most interesting characters on that show. Uh, and you know, you get, you get hints of what Mike could be or should be. Um, but I think that you get a much better Mike in better call Saul. You get to understand his character a lot better. Uh, I think that Saul, obviously he's got a much more subtle arc that is full of interesting, small character choices that build up to a larger character. Whereas Walter White is just kind of this screaming lunatic of a character as far as character growth goes and character choices um it, it's so much more telegraphed than than better call saul i just think it's i think better call saul is a better show so and i've watched both of them twice as well so i i can say that on repeat viewing you're, you're looking at walter and it's impossible to not to it's impossible to remove yourself and go back to this guy and go okay how did Saul end up at the end of that? Well, Saul ended up ruined by Walter, just like everything he touched. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. So you, the unfairness of that is that's how Saul's arc ends on Breaking Bad. So you start, you begin Better Call Saul with sympathy for that character that was earned through four seasons or five seasons. I don't remember if he shows up in one or two. He shows up. Uh, he shows up in end of two. Okay, but the the brilliance of Breaking Bad was that you know Vince 
Gilligan? Vince Gilligan. Took yeah. on, he, you know, he always said he wanted to turn Mr. Chips into Scarface. That was the arc of the show. And so you have this man who's a science teacher and has hubris as a major, that's his flaw. I mean, it's a Greek tragedy, right? Mm -hmm. Is his ego won't allow him. The show should be over after three episodes, John. When the rich guy shows up and says, we'll pay all your medical bills. Yeah. Okay. This was a nice miniseries. Friends helping friends. But we get to see that this has always been Walter's block. Is that he has to be the smartest guy in the room. And that he has to go his way. And so his hubris is there. And it's always there. And you're right. It doesn't have growth until he finally... And it's not even growth in the end. It's just honesty when he tells Skylar, I just liked it. Yeah. I just liked being good at something. And that's heartbreaking in a different way. But it's not heartbreaking in a way that upon repeat viewing has that same impact. Much like Sixth Sense is still totally good and watchable. Mm -hmm. It does not punch you in the gut like it did that first time when that wedding ring drops. That's true. And so I would say that, and, and, that's, and this is the, the arc that Shyamalan took in his career in that he, he fell off, right? He suddenly thought, oh, they loved that moment. I'm not going to worry about anything else but the heel turn or the twist. And so that was his new movies. Instead, he should have went and learned oh people want an enjoyable experience the whole way through and if i can give them a good twist that's great split maybe had echoes of that some people really loved it yeah i thought it was okay uh but better call saul it gets to stand on the shoulders of giants in, in breaking bad in that it gets you you are starting with a man you feel so bad for and it makes the genius call back to you're like you know, it's the throwaway line. We're going to end up managing a Cinnabon in Nebraska if you fuck this up, Walter. And then Walter fucks it up. And Better Call Saul is genius to open with Saul's hidden identity being managing a fucking Cinnabon. That's look, that's great, but that's all standing on the shoulders of Breaking Bad. If you if you chop Breaking Bad out and came into this universe just watching Better Call Saul without five seasons of pain and loss and memory and hating some people and loving others, Better Call Saul cannot win over someone in that way if you watch them I would I would say the only way we can solve this is we find someone who's watched neither and they watch Better Call Saul first because it is a prequel yeah that's true and then they go into Breaking Bad well it's funny that you mentioned that I had a friend who I was telling her that I exactly that I felt this way that I like Better Call Saul more she's seen neither and she just asked me she said can I start with Better Call Saul mm -hmm. so so I may I may have to come back and say yes yeah, start with Better Call Saul you'll be our guinea pig yeah and yeah. Uh, and, and have her watch it I will say I think that as yes, absolutely, Better Call Saul is is using everything that came before it um, to to elevate itself, um, and that's that's definitely true. Uh, but one thing that that hasn't happened in Better Call Saul that I think happens repeatedly in Be in Breaking Bad is that I get pushed beyond the realm of believability. There's no way by the mid season four that Hank should have no idea that Walter is is Heisenberg. There's no way by season four that that Walt and Jesse should be working together. They have ruined their relationships so many times. There's no way that that Skyler should be with Walt at this point. There's so many things that that they end up making this bizarre decision after seemingly situations that you can't come back from. 
that they do. And it's like, ugh, I understand that you need to keep the show uh, a role in here, but it, it's stretched beyond my, my realm of, of what I think a believable person would do. And I don't see that happening much in Better Call Saul. Because it's such a smaller focus story. Absolutely. It's, it's much tighter on the character. And I, Absolutely. And, and Gilligan's writing rooms are all about writing, intentionally driving the car toward a rock with no brakes and going, well... All right, we've got a film next week too, so there you go. Yeah. Um, and I think a good example of this in film right now would be Creed 2. Mm. I don't know how you make Creed 3. Oh, really? Creed 2 is such a definitive end to 10 Rocky movies, and it's so goddamn perfect. I don't, and it blew out. How do you top reintroducing it, the Drago storyline? Where do you go in Creed 3? Is Clever Lang, does Clever Lang have a kid? I mean, that's what could you do? But they threw all, and that's, I'm a fan of that kind of storytelling is throw everything at it. Don't hold back. Don't cheat. Don't do anything. And Better Call Saul is cheating in the fact that it's lengthening a story that doesn't need to be lengthened any further. It, that last season had a slow pace and gave you nothing to look for in season, in the next season. Whereas Breaking Bad was breakneck for the most part, it was, despite the occasional bottle episode for bu- sure. budgeting reasons. The fly. Uh, the fly and the one in the RV out in the desert. I yeah. mean, it had a couple of bottles. And look, and the fly is one of my favorites. I love the fly. Uh, but Breaking Bad ran at you with what's Walter going to do about 12 witnesses? What's Walter, what's Walter going to do about Skyler leaving him? You know, there, these are huge breaks that happen. Him and Jesse come together, go back, come together, go back. But these are these big things they're tackling. And, and sure, it's awkward and some plot armor here and there. But it's big chances. Where Better Call Saul, there's no big chances. There's no big leaps. Sure. It's a slow burn, which is great. But it, that's, less, that's easier. That's easier to accomplish. And, and so it's good, again. But, but it will never go down in, in the greatness of, the, of driving Chips to Scarface because you're driving con man to con man. Sure. If if I'm pitching the the overall, I turned a con man from the streets to a rich con man in a suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's that's it. It so, is a smaller story. Unfortunately, that's that's the reality. That's where we're gonna end up. Yeah, yeah. There is one thing that um, really made me realize where where this last season does need to still go of Saul. And which will, I think, ratchet up uh, stakes a little bit is that the first time that Walter meets him and he says he doesn't, you know, he, he, he wants to get Jesse off for or uh, Badger off of uh, he's been arrested. And that's when they first meet Saul. And Saul's like, well, you should just have Badger talk like that's the way he's going to get out. And, and obviously Walter can't have that. So he puts on a mask with Jesse and drives Saul out to the desert, kidnaps right. him. And the first thing Saul says is. I'm so sorry. If you're with Ignacio, I, I, this, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not with him right now, or something like something of that, that mm-hmm. accord. So there has to be some storyline that still happens that gets Jimmy into trouble with Nacho, right? Um, that gets him wanted sure. or, or in, in some form, uh, in, in some hot water. So I think that that's where we're going to go with this last season. Of Saul. Yeah, but is that that exciting? Like we, you know, it is what a mean? throwaway it's, line. It's, it's a throwaway line at the very beginning of Saul. Um, but if if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna tell the whole story of how he got to where he is, yeah, um, that's part of it. Right. So so we're gonna have that there. Um, and then of course the other thing we haven't talked about, which just, uh, got announced recently, was the sequel movie. And I hope we can both agree there is no need for this movie. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. At best, you know what I'm hoping it does is I'm hoping that it somehow ties in and and ends Jimmy's story. Saul's. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, that might, might that might be it. If 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 we because I know it's mostly about Jesse Pinkman. It's Jesse's what comes next story, which yeah. which is not necessary. No. Um, him escaping from the Nazis is enough. I think that this you know it's him better happy. As it, what he he tortured. Do? I mean, he went through hell for right. five seasons, and now. They're just gonna. It's more torture. Yeah, I don't need that. I I picture him woodworking, like his fantasy when he's locked that chain right. and he's just he makes that box calm. That's how. That's where he is to me. Yeah, I want to leave him there with that box and happy. You yeah, know? and yeah. to to unpack that and to probably have him go through the pain of dealing with the kid whose mom he got killed and, right. and dealing with more Nazis and more pain. It's just that that character was so tortured. Right. It just doesn't. It, it's so unnecessary to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, but at the same time, you know, Vince Gilligan, he, I don't think he tells a story without having a good idea, um, without having a reason to tell it. So right. cautiously optimistic, but yeah, I'd probably, it's probably not going to be great. No, no. <laughs> but you know what is great, John? What is great? Uh, bodied. 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 What's bodied? Let me, let me tell you a little bit about my off time. Okay. I'm a huge fan of battle rap, John. <laughs> huge okay. fan and not uh not the old style like when i grew up in in the oakland area there was you would freestyle mm. which was freestyling over beats and still a hell of an art like like eight mile yeah they're they're battling but they're freestyle battling okay so they're battling over a beat but the the trick freestyling is is an illusion um, you do have bars uh, and bars are lines, uh, you know, that you will fall back into and, and know that you can essentially weave in and out of a pocket of freestyle with here's a verse I have in my back pocket that goes off my name typically or whatever. And then I'm taking that time while I'm repeating something I've always used to go into this next arc of freestyling about your shirt or whatever I wanted you to make fun of or things in the room. It's just, it's a, it was a parlor trick and, and battle rap has moved on now to, uh, it's mostly like slam poetry. Hmm. It's uh, guys yelling insults at each other in rhyme with no music uh, in small dingy uh, arenas or auditoriums, and and they have uh, they have pay per views. I've purchased one. No way. I uh, I currently have a starter jacket I wear from a battle rap league. Uh, it's subtle, so no one can tell. I've gotten a bunch of compliments wearing it around, and no one knows what what the uh, logo is. <laughs> and so what Bodied is is Bodied is a film uh, produced by Eminem, funnily. Uh, and and Daniel Negreanu, uh, poker player out of Toronto. Oh, okay. Kid Poker. All right. And this is uh, the loose autobiography of Kid Twist, one of the first nerdy white battle rappers. So battle rapping, much like board gaming, uh, everyone now in the in the hobby looks like you and I, uh, skinny bearded white guys. <laughs> uh, it's gone from very thug to very not. And Kid Twist was one of the first guys to to go. And, and make a name for himself in battle rap as this kind of nerdy, against expectations kid. And um, I, I told you before when I recommended uh, Sorry to Bother You, I said Sorry to Bother You cancels Idiocracy. You never need to watch Idiocracy again. Oh, which which we'll, we, we could talk about in a minute. Yeah, yeah. so the, you never need to watch Idiocracy again. That timeline's over. It's deleted. We've turned. Sorry to Bother You is the future. Uh, this movie, not that you would ever watch this movie again, but in case it was on Comedy Central late at night, you never need to watch a little gem called PCU again. Oh, I love PCU. It's dead. Body oh, replaces it. Really? Yes, because Body does a genius thing of taking, and this is true of Kid Twist, he went to a effet, uh fancy school for creative writing mm. and then went into battle rap. In the, in the film, he's like a political science major or whatever, and so he hangs with the very left, very offended crowd. And uh, then he goes and says very offensive things on the weekends because battle rap is all about 
insulting your masculinity or your race or using very terrible words that aren't okay. Um, but it's all good fun. Um, and so it, it balances these two things against each other. And, and it's wonderful to see kind of like both ends fold amongst themselves and people take offense at things that they should take offense to and take offense at things they shouldn't take offense to and how they justify within their own minds, which is which. Mm. And so it's a great film. Um, I would say you have to be to fully enjoy it. Cause there's, there's a couple elements I did not like and I won't spoil them, but it, it the, those those elements are because Kid Twist is such a rap nerd that he's actually echoing true battle raps that happened. Mm. And so those find their way into the script. Most of the battle rappers in the scene right now get cameos. Mm. Daniel Negreanu gets a really stupid cameo. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he's playing poker in a library. I'll spoil that for you right now. It makes oh, no shit. sense. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it just nonsensical. But like if you're Roan, Head Ice, uh, Big T... Thesaurus, uh, they're all there. Whoa, These are whoa, all whoa, real whoa. names. There's a there's a rapper called Thesaurus. Yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, he's in there. Uh, disaster. I mean, if you're looking for names, they're all in there, and uh, it's very good. So uh, really fun, really fun wordplay, and a really good examination of 28. Really like it feels very topical for the times of what's going on right now of when you what you can and can't say and how people receive those words hmm. so uh really really great thing um it's on youtube premium okay so if you haven't watched cobra kai yet watch that and this and that's worth your 12 bucks for the month gotcha all right cool well well before i go into my thing you you, you dropped some of them talking about sorry to bother you yes i finally watched sorry to yeah, bother you yeah it's on hulu uh, yeah, it's on Hulu. It's free if you're if you got Hulu. Uh, I super recommend it. You were a hundred percent right, and I think that you put it so well. It does replace Idiocracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we can't talk spoilers because boy, this is a movie you want to go into cold. This movie has twists that I would have never in a million years have guessed. Yeah, it takes a hard turn at one point. <laughs> that you're just there's there is nothing leading up to that point in the movie that can prepare you for what it becomes. No, but nothing. it's so earned. It is. It That's the thing. It was is. not a twist that you go, oh come on. No, they've it, set up this movie, yeah. and it was funny because up until that point, I was I was saying to Delaney, I was like, you know, this really reminds me of a Michelle Gondry movie. Yeah. And then there's a point where one guy shows somebody else a video. And they say, this is a video by Michelle Dongri. And I was like, oh my God, there it is. It, nice. Yes, it is clearly the, the way that it's written and the, and the way that it's shot is mm-hmm. very much in a, an homage to Michelle, Michelle Gondry movies. Uh, so if, if you like movies like Eternal Sunshine or Be Kind Rewind, if you're, if you're liking that new show he's doing on Showtime, I think, uh, laughing or funny, I can't remember what it's called. I've, I've only seen the first one, but, um, if you like that kind of style, you're going to love this movie. If you like Idiocracy, you're going to love this movie. Uh, had a great cast, was not expecting to see or, or rather hear a lot of the people, uh, that, that pop in, in this movie. It was great. Yeah. It yeah, was great. Yeah. I, I told my friend immediately, I was like, you got to watch this movie right now. And he said, he goes, you know what? It was a great movie until that twist happened. And then it was an incredible movie. Yeah. There it's you like, go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It really was. Uh, but I, my thing this week, I want to talk about a different movie uh, that, that I personally find is incredible. And I don't, I don't have a ton of reason uh, other than nostalgia. Sure. But uh, it's, it's Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone's got their favorite Christmas movie or movies that they kind of settle in and, and you don't even really need to actively watch it. It's just like, this is my, this is my Christmas time ritual. Uh, and for me, it's a Christmas story. Uh, 
I great. love a Christmas story so deeply. I used to when I was a kid watch it every day of December. Nice. Um, as an adult, I watch it slightly less than every day of December. <laughs> uh, it's what? It's December 5th right now. I've seen it four times already this nice. year. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's a phenomenal film. It is a, an incredible movie. Uh, I, I, again, like... I don't really have much else to say to elaborate yeah. on it other than if you haven't by any chance seen A Christmas Story, watch A Christmas Story. Yeah. It'll make you feel good. It's it a great will. time. And hey, if you've got another movie that's your Christmas movie, watch that. Right. Now's the time of year. It's. I think we've all earned being able to sit back and feel good and comfortable and relax in our nostalgia a little bit. Right. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a rough year yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so, and if you say Die Hard is your favorite Christmas movie, stop doing that. We get it. We get the bit. Yeah, that bit's done. Yeah, it is. It, I will say it is a Christmas movie. Some people yeah. say it's not. Uh, I will say it is. Um, but I don't think it's. I don't just think don't. It's but, but just don't be the favorite Christmas. Yeah, just don't be the person that like kill. You're just a conversation. You're you're womp womp. You're downer Debbie. You're just like not playing to the rules of the. You're like cheating the rules and making the conversation about your cool hot take that we've all heard. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think, we get it. I think that uh, uh, at the Bruce Willis roast, he put it best. He said, "I got. I'm going to dispel it. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie." It's a Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> nice. There you go. So yeah, so stop that. But yeah, Christmas story, great. Still in the zeitgeist. You'll shoot your eye out. Oh, great. absolutely. I, uh, I like to, I deep cut reference that all the time. I mean, the, except I didn't say fudge is one that comes up all the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, I dropped drink more Ovaltine on someone the other day and it went right. Whew, oh no. Right over. That did not land, but a, a great movie. And one that really, I don't think is uh, nicely. Sometimes you watch your old movies and you're like, Ooh, yeah, they say some words, they do some things that are right. no longer cool. Right. Absolutely stands up there um, one one bit that has maybe not aged so well is when they go to the Chinese restaurant at the end Ooh, it's a I little it. it's a yeah. little culturally insensitive in today's age but you know what it's it's a 1983 movie that's supposed to take place in 1940 deal with it yeah yeah there you go and yeah and up on the nostalgia train just a real quick shout out to the burbs which i watched oh, recently God, still lives up and uh also not problematic except for like maybe like one or two cory feldman checking out a chick that's but that's it the rest of the thing is fine and cory feldman is the least useful character in any movie ever <laughs> and it is amazing oh, burb boy. the burbs lives up starring america's cool neighbor neighborhood dad Tom Hanks. And that's free on Amazon Prime right now. Yes, it is. That's yeah. where I found it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great movie. I almost watched it last night. We said we were either going to watch The Burbs or we were going to watch uh, Night of the Creeps. And we ended up going with Night of the Creeps. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So that's, uh, that's pretty much everything we've got That's today. a lot of... So there you go. We had a bunch of updates. We had a good Breaking Bad argument. A lot uh, of callbacks. Lot of there <laughs> you go. I think we had a lot of media on the show, obviously. We're Better callbacks. Better callbacks. No. Better call. Uh, oh, no, that boy. wasn't a good one. That wasn't fully no. formed. No, no. <laughs> yeah, you just bodied yourself, homie. I just, I just broke it bad. Oh. Ah, a little uh, bit, a little all bit. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> let's go, oh God. Let's get yeah. out of here. All right, all right. Well, as always, uh, don't shop at Mattress Firm. Uh, I forget my new line. Tom Hanks is America's <laughs> cool dad. I, I, think it was, I, I think it was Watch Castle. And oh, yeah, yeah. Check out, check out this show I've been watching. I keep meaning to make it one of my picks, but... Uh, Castle with Nathan Fillion. <laughs> it's good. It's on ABC. All right, cool. Yeah. That's right. it. That's it.